Well, welcome back to Sermon Notes. It is Master's Week. It is, Garland. It's way more than that. It's and Easter. Yes. Easter week. It's the uh, the celebratory centerpiece of everything that we... Uh, the true master, actually. The, <laughs> indeed. So we uh, we are excited this week because um, it's Easter Sunday. Um, this is the, uh, the moment that Christians believe uh, that death was defeated, um, that everything about um, this world as we knew it before and after this day is completely different. Uh, we cannot overstate it. We cannot oversell it. Um, and uh, it's unfortunate. It's been uh, wrapped up and distilled down to bunnies and eggs and golf. Yeah. But um, we want to push through that and sell celebrate this week. And so um, while we're recording this right now, it is Wednesday. Tomorrow is Monday, Thursday, as many Christians will look at the Garden of Gethsemane. Friday's Good Friday. And uh, then things go dark. The Christ candles darkened and then sunrise, new creation ground, Easter. So uh, Clark, you have the uh, the privilege of teaching us this year uh, on Easter Sunday. So give us just a quick snapshot of what you think you'll uh, kind of guide us through on uh, Saturday night and Sunday morning. Morning, and then uh, let's talk about kind of what didn't make the cut. This is even shorter than normal. These talks yeah, these, on Easter are even shorter. Yeah, so, that's right. uh, yeah, what where are you going this week? Briefly, then we'll look at some other uh, other ideas. Well, hey, first of all, I'm not certain when this is going to be released, but we do have a Good Friday reflection opportunity in the Fayette Kids Theater here in uh, in Fayetteville, and so that's on Friday from seven to five. If you need just personal reflection on Good Friday, we've made that available. We'll have communion. And then, uh, and then we actually have a Friday, uh, Saturday night service. Mm-hmm. First time ever at five. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so those are available to you. So we're going to be primarily in Luke chapter twenty-four, verses one to twelve on Sunday, and we're just going to kind of look at that gospel account. We'll use a few other words and phrases and snapshots from some of the other accounts to piece the story together. Um, and then we're going to take a look at one of Jesus's followers um, and some of his words in First Peter to bring home the reality of the resurrection. But for our purposes here on Sermon Notes, Garland, I was going to go a completely different direction. I love it when we yeah. do that on Sermon Notes. So, so this, yeah, will, what, this will literally be it, stuff yeah. that, that won't be in the sermon. <laughs> yeah. As you worked yeah. on it, you got you got a lot of things you wanted yeah. to say and a lot of things we could say about the resurrection. That's what's always the challenge on a, a yearly tradition like Easter is there's a lot of things that you'd want to say and what it does mean yeah. and what the, the New Testament, how it reflects on it. And yet uh, we... we we gather and we only have a certain amount of time as we do that. And it, it then invites us to consider those things in a broader perspective. And so help us do that. Yeah. So the first thing that I was moved by, I was just kind of looking at the theme of resurrection through the narrative, uh, Luke's other narrative acts. And one of the things that stands out is the reason that his followers were persecuted specifically, the reason they were imprisoned, they were preaching the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, the Son of God was resurrected. And so um, there's a lot of directions to go there, but it's just interesting is that it was the resurrection doctrine that was putting them at odds um, with not only Jewish authorities, but also the pagan authorities. Mm-hmm. And some of that is rooted in that um, if he was, and we believe he was, resurrected as the Son of God, then he is unique, and he assumes his rightful place as the one true king. Mm-hmm. And so that's offensive um, for both an unbelieving Jew 
and an unbelieving pagan if you mm-hmm. were a Rome or a Greek. Yeah, what's fascinating yeah. to me, and, and just looking at the, the book of Acts, the, the book of Acts tells the story of the early church trying to figure out what it looks like um, to follow Jesus as the king in a culture that didn't understand it, both Jew and, and non-Jew. What is so interesting as we look at the book of uh, Acts and why the resurrection became so central is the Jews had a category for a Messiah figure who might show up and defeat the enemy. That was something that many Jews were actually hoping for and expecting. He might be somehow a Davidic king of some kind, or maybe just a, uh, some kind of a conquering general of some sort. The Jews actually really wanted that kind of king or that kind of Messiah, and would-be messiahs were showing up all over the first century. And the, the unfortunate thing is many of them faced a very terrible end on Roman crosses, many of them. So the Jews actually have a category for a would-be Messiah who's crucified. And actually a category for resurrection as well. Yeah, they have a category in the last last days of a resurrection. But to have a would-be Messiah also killed, let's, let's not miss it, he's also killed by the Romans, just like all the other ones were. But to then start walking around saying no 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 yeah he was they, they don't say no he wasn't actually killed he uh, he just was hurt a little bit he came back no they acknowledge he really was killed but they say God raised him that is such a dramatic yeah. unexpected thing that the the people hearing it go that can't be that there's no way that that's how this was going to go in uh, uh so as you look at the, the the story in Pentecost for example as Peter gets up and begins to proclaim the message of Jesus he says the ones you put to death uh, by your plan nailing him to the cross God raised him he says God raised him from the dead and it is just a shocking it's it's shocking now. I mean, we live in a naturalistic world where yeah. people don't believe in supernatural things and we look for a medical, scientific, or political explanation for everything. Uh, for, for us, it seems like a stark claim, the resurrection of Jesus. But we have to remember, it was a stark claim then. Oh, yeah. uh, they're not idiots. They're also not expecting it. And yet, here they go. And every place you look, they're talking about Jesus being raised yeah, from the, the dead. People are like, no, this don't make any sense then or now. Um, and so it demands account. And one of those accountings is uh, it must have happened because this yeah. is so unexpected. Um, it seemed to empower their boldness in the book of Acts to mm-hmm. preach the good news of the gospel, not only of the cross, but the resurrection together. And uh, the resurrection is the power that seemed to embolden them. And, you know, and that, that would be kind of the second um, point I would make as you move into Romans, um, this heavy book that we consider for sure, a, a book on, on salvation doctrine and, um, you know, even historical doctrine of the Christian church. It seems to be that resurrection language fuels the power that we have in Christ to actually live the Christian life. And you see that in chapter 1, the power of the resurrection. He actually says that um, the gospel itself um, is the power, you know, mm-hmm. to new life and to the Christian life, and that when we preach that, we're preaching a resurrection power. And so as you move through Romans, there's a lot there, but Romans chapter 6 specifically speaks to the new life we have in Christ due to the resurrection, and the resurrection is what gives us um, the power in God's Spirit to now fight sin, experience victory over sin that maybe we didn't before we were reborn. And, um, and so there's a lot there from an implication standpoint, and Romans gives us that. Yeah, just even how Paul starts the letter to the Romans, uh, this magnum opus of both 
um, the message of the gospel and its implications in uniting Jew and Gentile. I mean, that's the overall message of Romans uh, and how it demonstrates the righteousness of God, that God is actually doing what he always said he was going to do. Look how he comes out of the gate swinging. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, the Messiah, Messiah, Christ is the word for Messiah, called to be an apostle, a sent one, and set apart. For this gospel of God, what's the gospel? Well, here it is. He promised it beforehand through the prophets. It's the story of Israel. It's regarding his son, who, as to his earthly life, he's a descendant of David. He's the one that the Israelites were expecting, the the rightful king, the priest who would represent them. All that language from the Old Testament, it finds its yes in him and... That would be one thing. That that's already grand enough. But, but he ver- said, verse four. Yeah. Then he, yeah. then this is the one I think that just it's earth shattering for anybody in Rome to read this, both Jew or Greek, and who through the Spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus the Messiah, our King. People in Rome know who the Son of God is in the fifties A.D. They know precisely who He is. He sits over there on the Capitoline Hill, the Palatine yeah. Hill, um, and he has a last name or a title of Caesar and right. Most High. Um, so for Paul to be saying, no, 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 the Son of God, it's not the guy sitting over there on that throne. In fact, it's this Div- the Davidic king who was actually killed, but by his resurrection, that is demonstrating that he's not only Jesus, but Jesus the Messiah, the Israel story, and Jesus our King or Lord, the world's story. Um, and that's what Easter is pointing to. Yeah. It, it, it demands that that is now the right category for who Jesus is. No, no other category would fit for the resurrected Jewish king. Um, and that, that's a lot. I mean, that's just a lot, a lot to wade through yeah. right there. And that's just his first four verses right. of the letter. Then he works out the implications that yeah. you're stating, uh, what that now means, uh, for, for sin and for life and for ministry and for uni- uniting Jew and Gentile. It's, then he sums it all up by saying it's like power. Uh, yeah. it's pretty awesome. It's a supernatural power. Yeah, it's a power. And you know, we'll jump to six and I know where that's a big jump in Romans from one to six. Um, considering the darkness that he addresses from one, two, three, four, and even some in five and the peace that we now have in Christ through the resurrection. This is what he says in, in verse 4 of chapter 6. Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism in his death, identifying with him in his death, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. And so the resurrection is kind of that shift language that points us forward. The power we have to actually now walk in Christ is due to the resurrection. Mm-hmm. And God puts His Spirit in us, and now we have the ability to choose not to sin and to will things that God wills for us. Mm-hmm. And that's good news for us as we fight sin. One of the so, strange, that one of the strange things we're going to look at in the next few weeks as we look at resurrection accounts is the strange in between that is Jesus's post resurrection experience. It's almost like He's in a different dimension. We might say, like, yeah. uh, it. it it's hard to categorize. It's hard to put language to what does it mean for somebody to be bodily, but new or imperishable or someone who's heavenly and resurrected, but also earthly. And so when they mm-hmm. describe it, it, it uses all sorts of strange terminology. He appeared to them, then he disappeared, then he was there and he was, but he's eating. And I think it's just hard to use language for what it means for Jesus to be both the heavenly bodily 
figure who's resurrected. Yeah. And what I think Romans is reflecting on, Paul says, you are incorporated into him, with him, in him. All that language is, is language of us being mystically united to him in some kind of a way so that the kind of experience that he is experiencing, we are experiencing that in the in-between of our physical resurrection one yeah. day. And so therefore, I think Paul can then go, so, so you actually are already freed. You've already won. You're, you're in that. So sin doesn't win anymore. It's not your master. Um, and that's a weird, almost abstract yeah. thing for us to get our heads around. But just go read Romans 6, and I think you have to grapple with that. Like, what does it mean to be in, like brought into the very uh, victory that Christ did purchase? I'm somehow It's kind of building on your, your teaching in Colossians, that in mm-hmm. Christ mm-hmm. connection that we yeah. have now. Yeah, for Things sure. Things that are true of us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we did Acts, we did yeah. Romans. And then and then I just finished our time today in 1 Corinthians 15. And I thought so you might go there. That's one of our favorite gospel texts, uh, verses 1 through 4 of chapter 15. But it's also, I think, I mean, for the theologians listening out, out there, it's, it's kind of the chapter in the scriptures that teach of our personal eschatology. What happens to us and how do things go down when we die? Or up, you might say. Mm-hmm. And so um, Paul seems to be addressing, obviously, some questions that they had for him related to these topics. But he does two things. One, he comforts those who have lost friends or family who are in Christ. They've fallen asleep in Christ. Um, you see some of this language also in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Um, but he uses this opportunity to comfort them, but then he also gives them hope for their own future um, eternal experience and affirms for them that because of the bodily resurrection of Jesus, we too should expect a bodily resurrection just like Mm -hmm. his. Mm -hmm. And so that should give us hope in the here and the now that we can not only feel comforted by those who have gone before us in Christ that have passed on, but also that we can live full lives now in Christ with the hope that one day we're going to be renewed, restored, uh, united in these glorified bodies. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I think that's where the language gets difficult, Garland. Yeah. How, what does it look like? At what age will Garland be reunited with his body? Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to get, we, you're going to get the 28 year old. younger Garland? than I am now, <laughs> about 20 pounds less. Yeah. Um, but there is a, there's, the spirit is real. Um, as you and I are sitting here talking and, is there's a very um, immaterial part of that, but there's also that the resurrected body matters here. And he seems to spend these, what, some 58 verses celebrating that in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Mm-hmm. I think that it is such a... 1 Corinthians 15, we could do hours on, obviously. Um, it's the many, many uh, analysts of 1 Corinthians think it's kind of the discourse climax of the whole book. It's all yeah. leading toward here. It's the summit. Everything's on the downslopes from 1 Corinthians 15. And we can spend a lot of time talking about it. I think there's one observation that's important. Um, we cannot understand this because if you're listening to this, you might have been a Christian for a while. Maybe you're checking it out. But you, we know about this idea of resurrection in heaven and blah, blah, blah. And Jesus was raised... We, we cannot imagine what it would be like to live in the ancient Greco-Roman world, like a city like Corinth, where no one in that culture is wanting 
a physical resurrection. In fact, for many uh, philosophers and many on the street level, well, the body was bad. The body was bad. Spirit you don't. We want to free ourselves from these earthly kind of worthless traps that we're in, and we want to go be a part of the kind of ethereal spiritual out there, whether that's a dis- distant world of the forms or kind of melting into the the life force that's kind of all around us. That that's the hope of a everyday Corinthian person yeah. walking around. They're not sitting around hoping for some resurrection and coming back in body bodily form. It's so also we, why they found themselves in bodily sins yeah, th- th- yeah, as whatever. young Christians yeah, who because cares? the body didn't matter. It's yeah. also why the t- previous three chapters are seeking ecstatic experiences mm-hmm. and utterances. So we can imagine, just just imagine the, you know, the PR firm gets together and they're trying to sell and spin Christianity in Corinth. You know, and they've got a story they want to tell. You can imagine the 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 drive to want to to minimize this kind of stuff. Like, okay, Paul, why don't we spiritualize this up a lot? Mm-hmm. Why don't we and now just go take that as your backdrop. If there there'd be a big, big, I think, pressure to minimize that kind of language. We want to make inroads in Corinth here. Don't go in there with a bodily resurrection. Come on. So if this is the discourse peak of the letter, yeah. And he got he's got this much material. Go read it again, and you'll just notice how how Jewish it is, how insistent it is that the body is not evil and terrible, but also that the body must be remade in some sense. He could he could go a bunch of different ways in Corinth and not talk about any of this stuff, um, and yet. Paul wants to say that there's something significant about what Jesus has accomplished that's defeated sin and death, and that is the down payment for what we will experience one day. Mm-hmm. And he goes for, you know, almost 60 verses on it. And so um, it, it's actually pretty fascinating uh, that here in this part of the letter, um, Paul spends this much time demonstrating the importance of Jesus' resurrection and thus the importance of what will be our future one. Um, the bodily resurrection being the this this high point of victory over sin and death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you see that there, and he, he breaks out in his own hymn of sorts. Mm-hmm. He can't, it's almost like he can't help himself. Yeah, and I, the reason we and we might just even conclude it here, and here's why: uh, may we be this Im- impressioned and impassioned by the resurrection. May we have the same kind of thing Paul has, which is he he should go minimize some of this stuff, but he can't help himself. If he re- if you really believe, if so, if you're listening to this, and you're a Jesus follower, think about the claim you're making. Just take some time this week or on Sunday or Saturday, whenever it looks like this weekend. We really believe that a Jewish man was actually killed on a Roman executioner's cross and really did raise from the dead. And that already is is mind-blowing enough. I don't think the implications have to be that far to go from that. If you believe that, I don't think it's a stretch to say he must be the world's true king. Um, Well, and then the idea that Paul continues to build on in the New Testament that with a bodily resurrection that is coming our way in the here and the now, guess what else happens to the body? We become God's temple. You mm-hmm. see that in 2 Corinthians mm-hmm. chapter 6. He mm-hmm. actually uses that language there. Yep. The body matters, and because it's going to be resurrected, he's in this restoration mm-hmm. experience mm-hmm. to make us this temple that can walk in holiness and new life. It's, so that matters now. Yeah, we could. The New Testament is unbelievable, um, and its centerpiece is Sunday. 
Easter. And so uh, I, whoever wins at Augusta, that don't make no difference compared to this. And so let us <laughs> let us be like Paul and not be able to help ourselves, but uh, spending 60 verses of prose and poetry on how awesome the resurrection is. And we hope to see you this Sunday here at, uh, at Fellowship for Easter Sunday. Um, thank you for joining us and thanks for listening to Sermon Notes.